Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to another, a playoff edition of Three In, Three Out. I am your fired up host, Clinton Bonner, joined as always by Brandon Schultz. Brandon, this is a brand new day, a brand new season. We are 1-0 and in the postseason. Brandon, how are you feeling about the big, big victory down in Philly? Clinton, I am fired up. I'm ready to go. Let's move on in the postseason. But I'm I'm excited to talk about this game against the Eagles. You know, the, the Seahawks, they haven't had a win in the postseason since they beat Detroit back in that injury-riddled season that Russell Wilson had where he kind of hobbled along and still managed to get the Seahawks to the playoffs. And so to finally to get a win and to do it on the road, you know, this is it's it's a good moment for our, our franchise. Brandon, you are 100% on it. It has been, just been just been far too long since we got a W in the postseason. And I don't care that we didn't exactly have the murderers row, you know, often this year of the quarterbacks we played. I don't care. I don't care about any of it. All I know, Brandon, is we are two W's away from going back to the Super Bowl. That's all that matters. Why don't we get into this edition, this playoff edition of three in, three out right now. And Brandon, there is, of course... There's this one gravitational pull. We could call it a rule if we want to. There's one rule on three in, three out. Brandon, what is our one rule? When the Seahawks win, we start with an in. We start with an in, baby. So let's hop on over right now to our first in in this big 17-9 victory over the Eagles. Brandon, I love starting with ins because it means we it means we won. It means, so I'm I'm happy. I've been happy all week, and I'm still glowing. I think we actually played a pretty good game. I know there's ups and downs, and actually that's what three in three out is for the ups, the downs, the nooks, the crannies already. And we get to start with it in my first in. I had tweeted this at the very end of the first quarter. Brandon, I'm not sure if you if you were you know following this one. Do you know where I'm going with this? What did I tweet at the very end of the first quarter of the Seahawks-Eagles game? Well, if you follow along at Clinton Bond on Twitter, uh, you would probably know, but uh, I wasn't following along on Twitter, so uh, I, I totally missed it, Clinton. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, shame on you. You missed a lot of great commentary on mostly the game and then some commercials. And what I had tweeted at the end of the first quarter was... Um, this is kind of this is not verbatim. I'm going from memory here, and and yes, I was slamming back some uh, some some light beer, so it's a little fuzzy. But what I had tweeted overall was this: Ugo Amadi was the MVP of the first quarter. Ugo Amadi is getting my first in because I know that man did not have a lot of snaps. I think he ended up with like 14 snaps from what I've seen out there. When Ugo Amadi was out there, especially early on, the dude was big. The dude was fast. He was stopping the Eagles before first downs. He was a difference maker early. And this is a different team, Brandon. We talked about, hey, can we get out of the 4-3 base? Can we see some more nickel? Can we see more Blair? Can we see more Amadi? Brandon, we saw it, and I think we saw the results. Amadi, for me, gets the big first in. Nobody's really talking about what he did in this game. And I think he was big. He was in there for 14 snaps. He had uh, 13 coverage snaps. He had two targets in that time, only allowed one reception, and he came up with a big stop. He actually finished the day with Pro Football Focus's top grade among Seahawks defenders, finishing with a 90. And uh, the next top guy, 72.7, were Quentin Jefferson. So a pretty big gap there between Ugo, who, yeah, he played limited snaps, but interesting that you would pick up on the pro football focuses top graded player and just just the one quarter 
And and this is, you know, and I, I'm not a analytics uh, guru. I appreciate them. I really like when they support a narrative. I didn't go look at the PFF grades and then come back to this, circle back to it. I wrote it down at the time. You, if you're out there, you're following at Clinton Bond. You can see it. It's 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 out there for all to see. I don't delete my tweets, even though I've had some dumb ones throughout the years. I just don't go back. I mean, whatever. My life is my life. It's there. It's how I felt. It's how I felt at the time. I wrote it down. I tweeted it. Dude played well. But I feel like we could look at this draft class and go like, holy hell, did we have a really really good draft class but between between the obvious ones and the, and the guys that are that are showing out now deep into the season and now into the postseason man this uh this 2019 draft class might be one for the ages not to cycle in in, in into a criticism but it kind of feels like after last year you know it took Puna Ford so much time to get on the field and it wasn't until after the season was over where Pete Carroll was looking at it and saying oh my gosh how did we not have Puna on the field a lot sooner in the season and I wonder if that's going to happen with Amadi as well come this offseason. No, hard tell not known, as Adam would say, but but that's but that's possibility. Puna played a heck of a game too. And also kind of fun to always point out, Puna was undrafted and the dude's crashing down the line still and bottling up guys like Sanders and Boston Scott pretty much all day long. I was when we talked last week, Brandon, we did a little bit, a little bit of a teaser into the Eagle Seahawks game. My biggest fear is Boston Scott. I thought the dude would run rampant. I thought it'd be really hard tackling him in the open field. Didn't happen. We tackled really well this game. And Puna Ford, who you just mentioned, was one of those reasons. And I think we're actually going to talk about another rookie in a little bit, who's probably going to end up on the inside of the ledger as well. With that, Brandon, we got to bounce on over to the outside of the ledger. There is the good. There are the ins. But of course, there are these things that, that are the head scratchers. So why don't we bounce on over to an outside now? So, Brandon, to delay the outs just a little bit longer, why don't we talk about something good? Hey, man, you're putting out tons of amazing content all week long. You got you got the post-game reactions. You got the Seahawkers podcast. You're doing midweek stuff like this. Where can people find, follow, subscribe? Where can they find you? Yeah, follow along on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod. Of course, subscribe to the show if you haven't yet already. Subscribe at SBNation.com slash NFL Podcast. If you have friends who listen to podcasts, maybe they aren't even Seahawks fans. They can go there. They can find a podcast for them. Excellent. Tons of great stuff out there throughout the entire week. So make sure you do the right thing and, and subscribe, follow, and say hello. All right. We're going to say hello to an out right now, Brandon. We got to dive into one of these. I typically don't put these in the chronological order or like a weighted order. This one for me is just screaming at me though. 17 to nine, we get out of there with the victory. I'm happy. I think for the most part, I really like what I saw from Shadi. We had that third and one to beast mode. We converted on third downs pretty much all game long. Really impressive. And this is one of those, those outs that's starting as an in. However, the biggest out for me, Brandon, was it is 17 to nine. It's the third quarter. It's second and 15. We run the damn ball. Now it's early fourth quarter. It's second and nine. We run to Homer. I'm just sitting there going like, hey guys, we didn't get positive yardage or very much yardage on first down. And it's getting late in the game now. They are one score away or one possession away with a two point conversion. You know, for those who are going to yell at me over nomenclature, the bottom line is there was kind of back to back moments on a second and 15 and a second and nine. I'm like, when are we going to let Russ go win this game? Couldn't we end it sooner? How did you feel about those runs in those moments? You know, at that point of the game, I'm sure Pete Carroll is feeling confident about his defense and seeing that the Eagles, they haven't been very successful in moving the ball. So 
I'm sure he wanted to spin some clock, run the ball, and, and still kind of test those guys a little bit, especially, you know, he likes wearing dudes down at the end of a game. And <laughs> he likes he likes wearing us down, Brandon. That's what he likes. And Pete likes wearing <laughs> us down too. But yes, they haven't had a lot of success up until that point. Yeah, the Travis Homer run on on second and fifteen, that was frustrating. You know, there were some penalties that led to a couple of of those frustrating runs. And then, you know, you could even point to Russell Wilson and uh, the snap that's, you know, in the, in the middle of the fourth quarter where it just snaps right to his chest. He's not even ready for it. Uh, and maybe I'm stepping all over more outs to come again, but you know what? That's uh, <laughs> I guess just the fourth quarter inability to put more points up on the board. It was, it was a little frustrating. And with all that, Brandon, I just want, us to put teams away when we have the opportunities much sooner. We we have the ability, and this was this was the rush show, right? This was, I mean, obviously DK and, and Lockett, but this was this was Russell Wilson's game. Like this is what this is everybody's talking about DK. And I heard, you know, you you and uh, Adam talk about it in, in the pod you just put out uh the big yesterday morning. And you guys rightfully said, you know, everybody's talking about DK. This is the Russell Wilson show, right? Russ, Russ balled out did not have tons of time. Uh, you know, pass pro was, was okay enough on certain sides of the line. Russell did Russell things all game long. And with all that, Brandon, I'm still yearning for that, the ability or that desire to just put teams away when we have moments. So they just don't get the damn ball back with, with a one possession game. Cause at that point, Brandon, we're talking about drive 35, 40 yards, kick a field goal, kick a field goal. Game's over. That's, that's what was needed at that point. We could not muster that. So when we get into these second and longs, I guess I don't really care, Brandon, how we get there. Yes, there were false start penalties. Yes, there was a snap that basically went off of Russ's mouth guard that wasn't barely in his mouth and all those things. If we end up in second and long, just throw the damn ball. Just especially against an Eagles team where Joey Hunt's getting murdered on every other play by Cox. And clearly, you know, we had 17 rushes, 19 yards. Clearly, we're not running the ball well that day. On days like that, throw the damn ball. All right, Brandon, back on over to the inside the ledger. Listen, first one went to Ugo Amadi. Maybe a bit of a shock for the flock out there. A little shock for the flock. That rhymes. I kind of <laughs> like that, Brandon. And this other one, too, um, it's been talked about a little bit, a little bit. And to me, it's big play. Big play. This, is to me, is coming down to some, like, to some singular plays in a game like this. Brandon, it's 3-3. Three to three. It's almost halftime. We need to get something going. And who do we dial up? Do we dial up Tyler? Do we dial up, you know, DK? Do we dial up beast mode? No, no. On third and 10, we dial up David Moore. Moore is on this, I don't know, what, 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 a circle route? Is that what you would, you know, frame it up as? I, I don't Literally. know if I've ever heard of a circle route before. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it could, it could be none more black, right? It was just, it was just a circle. He went, he went around and kind of just kept, just kept tailing around. Wasn't exactly a crisp route. It wasn't. It wasn't something where I was like, "Wow, that dude's like balling out there." However, he got open, and then when he got the ball in space, David Moore did the David Moore things we've been we've been hearing about, and that we do see when David gets the ball in space, he can make dudes miss. He rumbles for I don't know how many more yards. All that I know is he crossed that that little invisible fake yellow line, and he went all the way down. I think to about the five yard line, four yard line, and set up that touchdown before the half. This was big, man. Like this game is three to three. If we limp in at six three at halftime, we just don't convert there and have to have some weird decision considering where we are on the field. 
Huge conversion by David Moore. I think he only had two receptions. I'm sure you, you'll check me on that, Brandon. But that one, late second quarter, that's a huge in for me, man. David Moore made an outstanding play, came back to the ball, created space, got the first down, rumbled, got tackled at about the four-yard line or so, and set up a big touchdown to go into the half 10-3. to three. Yeah, David Moore, just two catches on four targets on the day, but that one right there. 38 yards is what he ended up rumbling for after the catch. And uh, just cool to see him get the ball in space, able to make things happen. I do like this position for him, this role for him, a lot better than I do as the contested catch guy down the sideline. I think that's DK's job at this point. I know Tyler has done a good job at that as well. Moore just hasn't been able to come up with those as consistently as I would like, but giving it to him in space, in the middle of the field, making guys miss it kind of I think that's a big reason why he's got the punt return role as well and uh, able to make something happen in that case and pick up a big third down I got two things for you there Brandon I want to ask you about so number one is Brown so Jerron Brown I always think I'm saying that right did I get that right Jerron 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 Brown yeah yeah yeah. so Jerron Brown Jaron Reed that's that's why it's so hard Yes, yes. I always put the, the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable so so Jerron Brown might become back what what do we think do we I mean, not to be mean to a dude, do we want him on the field or do we, do we like what we see? Well, I think at this point with all of the injuries, uh, you kind of need Brown on the field because yeah, I, and I suppose there's the argument of John Ursua being out there more. But, you know, the Seahawks, they love their run blocking. They like their uh, their wide receivers to have that ability of run blocking. And maybe that's why Ursua just hasn't seen the field quite as much yet. Uh, Pete Carroll's kind of hinted at that a little bit. And I know that that probably doesn't matter as much to a lot of us fans, but as coaches, they they really point to that stuff, and especially with Pete Carroll wanting that to be the identity of the team, that uh, that part's important to him. Yeah, when you get 19 yards rushing, boy, oh boy, you need her <laughs> to be downfield blocking. That's exactly the issue. It's nothing nothing to do with our you know our our do- <laughs> the, the fact that Joey Hunt's out there. You got your backup guard, your backup nothing tackle. Yeah, I, I don't yet. think it's I don't think you could say those 19 rushing yards are Ursua's fault. But, you know, when it comes to attention to detail type things, those are things that coaches like to see from players. And maybe they're not seeing it from Ursua, but they are seeing it from a veteran like Brown. His impact on the field, it, it just hasn't been there as much this season. But uh, when when you have had the kind of injuries that Seattle's you know forced to endure and having Josh Gordon, you know, kicked out of the NFL once again, I, I think that uh, there's there's probably a role for both the guys. And I think we are starting to see John Ursua in there a little bit more, especially as we get on later in the season. And I, I talked about it with Amadi. You know, they might get to the offseason and go, hey, you know what? Maybe we should have started that guy a little more. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should have. But you know what? Also, I, I've worn egg in my face, you know, since the prediction show, uh, the first three and three out of the season when I, I think I said Leno Hill would have a big year and I called for 40 something receptions for Ursua. So I've been wrong before. So I would love love to be wrong maybe we see brown with a game-winning touchdown versus the pack and and i can i can eat some more crow i'd be so happy with that hey i did say i had two things for you the other one you mentioned i thought was a brilliant point there brandon david moore on the outside we just don't need to see it we don't need to see this the stretch plays like last year we had that fourth and one bomb where he catches that ball deep against carolina we win that game last year really risky play and i think he gave like the false narrative that David Moore is a great sideline guy. David David Moore is, is a really coordinated wide receiver with his feet in his hands. He's not that. He's not that. What, what was the play a couple of weeks ago where he had the um, the out in the end zone 
where he had the little, you know, and, and the ball, the ball didn't go through his hands. He just didn't extend his hands enough right. as, if, as if he didn't like, just couldn't eye hand coordinate the fact that he had to get his hands out there a bit more. And I'm with you though, Brandon, I love this David Moore, the dump offs over the middle, little releases, little things where, where the dude's crossing over. David jet Moore with the jet sweeps look good. All those things, those things, David Moore in space with the ball on fairly easy catches. I'm okay with him. I'm okay with him as, as, as that third WR right now. So I'm good with seeing a little more, more, more as we head into uh, Lambeau field next week, but just not on the outside. We just don't need those contested balls. We got two of the best in the game, that locket reception that we're not going to talk about that as an in, but I mean, holy smokes, that little pirouette, the Rabel call on that was fantastic. And of course, DK doing what he did. We're not going to talk about that on three and three out. Of course, not either. But man, oh man, we don't need David Moore for contested ball. So just want to give you a little props there, Brandon, for a great call out of your own. Appreciate the props, Clinton. And uh, maybe I can say some more smart things coming up next. Okay, Mama Cleo, you, you hinted at this earlier, Brandon. You clearly got the crystal balls out there, not just the sexy deep balls from Russell Wilson that we saw throughout the game. Man, oh man, Brandon, another one for me. This, this, we're back on the outside of the ledger here. I have loved what I've seen from Hollister all year. Hollister has been really a money player. All things, I mean, don't even have to qualify. Don't even have to go with the all things considered, traded for a seventh rounder, yada, 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 was on the practice squad, came up big. Bottom line is dude's caught like 50 receptions. He's been a pretty damn good tight end. With that, Hollister, how, what's up with these false starts? How can this be? I mean, Afedi, we know about. Afedi is just you know pretty much so happy we did not pick up that, that fifth-year option of that dude. I am very ready to move on. Hopefully, after several more weeks, we, we could talk about that in the, in the, in the postseason at that point. But right now, Hollister is a dude who's going to be here this year. He's a dude that's going to be here next year for sure. Brandon, he had a false start in the first half. He had a false start in the second half. Talk about those drive killers. Where's the the mental aptitude? Where's the awareness? Where was his head during this game? For me, big, big out. Hollister was kind of sloppy, sloppy on Sunday. He wears the crown. He's wearing the scarlet letter. The big O. Didn't like it one bit. Very rare for Hollister to have it. But man, he's wearing it. He gets the out. Yeah, it's not something that we've seen a lot from Jacob Hollister on the offensive line. And so, yeah, a little bit uncharacteristic. You know, those I'm sure it has to be difficult playing in a loud environment and seeing the defense shift like the way they do right before the snap. And uh, he just has to get used to the fact that that could be coming. And the, the Eagles seemed to key on on it. They they got him to jump twice. You know, I, he did get majority of the snaps in this game, 53 offensive snaps compared to Luke Wilson, who's coming back from injury just in there for 23 times. But I guess if it came down to it, uh, I would still rather have Hollister in there than what we've seen from uh, the other backup tight end. <laughs> we're talking swoops tyrone swoops <laughs> oh no no yeah no no, not, no one's swooping in to save the day on that one no i, I i'm with you 100 percent there this is this is not that's probably probably why my mentally i let out with a fed can can get the walking papers at, at the end of at the end of this postseason run hollister's got a place to play he's our best tight end to me he's a better blocker than luke wilson ever was or will be He's shifty. He, he you know, seems to get open, catches most of the balls. He's done a good job. It, it, this is just a, it is a rarity. I'm hopeful, Brandon. It's just a one-off thing where he wears the app for this week. 
And then next week, the dude's come back and maybe catching five or seven passes. And, and, and we're, we're, you know, putting, putting him glowingly on the inside of the ledger. That's what I want to see next week. All right, Brandon, we are back on the fun side, the, the, the fun dip side, if you will, that delicious candy from back in the day where you would dip a, a wet stick of sugar into uh, powdered dry sugar to consume more sugar. This is what it's all about. Let's consume more sugar together as we get our love on for the Seahawks. Brandon, we got this rookie class. We were hinting at this rookie class earlier, talking Ugo, talking Blair. We didn't even really talk DK. Brandon, there's another rookie who... I think the man had his best game thus far as a Seahawk. There was one particular play. This shifty little running back, uh, Miles Sanders, comes out of the backfield. He's like seven or eight yards downfield. Wentz fires the ball over to him. And my man, Cody Barton, number 57, the rookie, Brandon, the footwork he showed, the, the elegance, the, he was like Fred Astaire out there with the, with the feet. It was beautiful coverage. And we heard for a, you know quite a number of weeks that Cody Barton is they're the best cover linebacker, and they have all this faith in the four three base. And I've been screaming for weeks that the four three base has been really stupid. Well, you know what? Now, now I'm looking pretty stupid because Cody Barton showed up in this game, not just that play, but for me, Brandon, that was the the play to kind of focus on because man, did we see the footwork? Did we see the hips? Did we see the moves? Did we see some beautiful coverage on a really shifty, another rookie in the open field? And I think he just bats the ball away. It's, it's a pass defense, beautiful job. It's an incomplete pass. It just stood out to me. I love those. I love the buttery nook, Brandon. Did that one ring true for you as well? Well, with Cody Barton, you know, that one play doesn't really jump out at me as much as I remember him blowing up a dude late in the game. He had one of the first sacks on Josh McCown. And just that he kept showing up in different situations throughout the game. You know, you brought up the Miles Sander pass defense. I have the sack. And later on, you know, he downs a, a punt by Michael Dixon, I think, inside the 10-yard line. Mm-hmm. And so he, he just kept showing up. You know, he it's it, in terms of stops short of first downs, another pass defense later on. He, had, he blew up a Boston Scott run for a negative one yards, him and yes. Shaquille Griffin. So it was uh, just multiple situations. And, you know, I brought up the, the pro football focus number earlier for Ugo Amati. Well, the number three guy on the list was Cody Barton. Wow. So his 50 snaps, that comes up just 14 short of guys that played the entire game, you know, guys like Shaquille Griffin and Bradley McDougal and Quandre Diggs and Bobby Wagner. So, you know, he was in there for a pretty significant portion of time. Oh man, you just rattled off like four of the dudes that could have been ins too. I mean, I, I, my my McDougal played beautiful. KJ Wright brought brought you know brought the smack, brought his hat once again. There was there we I actually I mean end of the day we let up three field goals right. They didn't get that many yards. Yeah, they got a backup in, but the dude's a competent backup. That's why he's still playing at the age of forty. And with that too, yeah, man, I think I, I think you bring it up, uh, Brandon. It's not just that play to Sanders. That's the one that stood out to me. And the when I jotted it down. Being like, wow, that is what we've been waiting for. That that really impressive coverage. That was beautiful. But all the other moments you brought up as well, blowing up Boston Scott, the guy that I was, you know, crying wolf that we, we'd be having nightmares about. Uh-uh. Wagner blew up Scott on a play. Barton blew up Scott on, on the play that you mentioned. He just showed up. And I wanna I wanna kind of point something out. This is this is week one of the 2019, now 2020 playoffs, and our three ends are Ugo Amadi, David Moore. And Cody Barton. And this is not, oh, look at us. We like to get into the into those buttery nooks and crannies. 
I mean, sometimes we end up talking about Russ or, or a Dixon punt. And this week specifically, we're talking about these three dudes. We're talking about two rookies on the defensive side and David Moore finding, finding, finding his own nook, if you will, and being a really productive player for us in big, big moments. That alone fires me up about the inside of our ledger this week. Well, and the fact that we didn't even talk about a guy like DK Metcalf, who everybody's talking about, you know, what an amazing game it is. And he sets a record for a rookie in a in a playoff game with 160 yards. So, you know, it's not even just the the main guys. It's it's these guys who we expect to be role players and 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 give some relief to some of the guys who have been carrying this team in the years before. No doubt about that. And you bring up DK and of course, DK with the aerobatics and uh, DK with the high point in the ball and all that. If I'm going to give it into DK, he's, he's had a beautiful game. How about that that early first quarter, uh, third and 11, where DK, DK has all of a sudden, uh, I would say, mastered the the out. You know, he runs these beautiful outs where now, now he's he's toe drag swagging. He's right on the sidelines. He's catching balls that Russ is putting them basically at his knees. So no dude can even, you know, knock it away. Certainly can't intercept it. And he's hauling those in too. So I'm getting the the butterflies, the jitters, the heebie-jeebies all, all in the good way over here. Maybe it's the fun dip we talked about earlier. <laughs> but, but for me, Brandon, it's like, dude, we're talking about a bunch of rookies, a bunch of young guys. I want this energy to carry over into, into Green Bay. And with that first, we do have to do a little pit stop and get to this last out. So why don't we do that? What do you say? Let's do it. All right, Brandon, let's pit stop at this last out before we get to our favorite section, of course, the from the flock that we'll get to. We were inundated, inundated, unlimited ins and outs from the flock this week, which is a great problem to have. So we'll be sharing quite a number of those with you. But first, this last out, I think we could keep this pretty short. I'm sorry the dude's hurt. He actually was a bit disruptive in the first quarter, had a couple of rushes, looked looked okay. Again, in a day where we ended up tallying seven sacks, I mean, hallelujah! What a we comp- it was like Rafael Palmero of sacks. Like it did, didn't seem like he hit five hundred something home runs or whatever Palmero ended up with. But at the end of the day, we ended up with seven sacks, and we, we broke some records there too. But I want to talk about at least briefly. Listen, when you have a forty-year-old quarterback scrambling in McCown, and then you got Ziggy Ansa who is trying to close on him on the edge, and as time moves on, more separation. Like McCown was able to actually get away from Anza and then some, and like pull away a bit. I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what that says. But the out for me is just like it's almost like a come on man or a do better. It's like Anza, you get the out for not being able to chase down a forty-year-old QB who's who's clearly not in his prime anymore. Anza, that's an easy one for me. You get the out. I was so frustrated by that particular moment and, you know, not to add (laughs) insult to injury because Anza did get hurt on that play. But, you know, if Anza tackles McCown in the backfield, if he's able to run him down, he's not running into Shaquille Griffin on the sideline and he's taken McCown down in the backfield. And I know, I know McCown was some kind of athletic freak when he was in college. Yeah. Yep. You know what? I was a lot more athletic in college too, but I'm 40 years old. I, I like how McCown gives hopes to us 40 year old dudes, <laughs> but I would not expect to be gaining ground on a guy like uh, Ziggy Anza, even, you know, even, even in my twenties. So let alone uh, now in my forties. So I was frustrated by that particular moment. Ziggy Anza, who he did get three pressures on the day, and hopefully he'll be back and well, and we're going to need him going down the stretch. 
And for me, what what it also set up, you know, as as I dream of a, of a young Brandon running a forty now in my head. This is what's in my head now, by the way. Just a glorious hair flowing, you know, a like big big American flag waving in the background, and maybe you on a podium somewhere. A boy can dream. But but what what's also in my head here, Brandon, is like when that happened, I was like, oh wow, McCown still has some, you know, he still got some juice in his legs. We might not catch him at all this game. He's going to have a hard, he's going to scramble and just kill us that way. And that didn't happen either. Even that last fourth down where we, we kind of collapse on him from behind. You know, Reed had no problem. Jared Reed had no problem finding him. Um, well, maybe McCown gave it everything he had because, you know, ah. you saw him grabbing at his glute there uh, toward the end of the game. And so maybe it was it was running away from Anza that just that was the last little bit of energy that that glute had to, to put out for the day. And he spent it all trying to get away from Anza. He definitely did pull a butt. You are 100. He, he was, he was grabbing, grabbing that cheek high, grabbing that cheek off. And he did pull that butt. So maybe, maybe, you know, sometimes in a win, the outs be coming in. Anza gets the in for pulling the butt. Maybe he pulled the butt, you know, whether he meant to or not. The bottom line is the butt was pulled. McCown ran out of juice. He sacked a bajillion times and we steamroll out of Philly. Give them the deuces from DK because we just, because we won the damn game. I think the ladies' man approves of this out with it being about the butt. Yeah, that's the butt. Hey, Brandon, since we're on the topic of the butt, why don't we just then roll over to our favorite from the flock and maybe we could talk about, oh, I don't know, some uh, some dry humping from Tim Moon to lead us out. Yeah, apparently Tim was maybe frustrated that we didn't call on him last week. And so he wanted to make sure that his hand was raised and, and waving around. Uh, so we <laughs> so we actually called on Tim this week because you mentioned uh, dry humping as just a, a, you know, a red flag for you as as getting uh, the comments read. So here comes Tim Moon with an in dry humping. DK Metcalf breaking the rookie record in the playoffs out. Dry humping, shoddy's play calling, playing right into Eagle's strengths. In, dry humping, clowny has seven sacks. Out, false starts by Effetti and Hollister. In, dry humping, vintage Lynch. Out, dry humping, Trey Flowers interference penalties. <laughs> All the dry humping. And Tim, I applaud you for A, listening, and then B, understanding how to push how to push the right buttons to get, to get your voice heard on three in, three out. Folks, it ain't that hard. Just talk about dry humping, clearly. <laughs> Let's stick with the ins because heck, we won the game already. So Brian Delude, Brian's a good dude. He's out there on the Seahawkers pod ring of honor. He says in third down conversions versus the third ranked third down team. Brandon, the rule of threes coming up again. But Brian says that, that was huge. And I'll just stop right there. Brian is 100% right. I was frustrated that we were in so many third and longs because we ran the damn ball on second and nine and second and 15. And with that, hey, we converted. So can't complain that much. All right, Clinton, I'm going to bounce over to an in from Michael O'Hara at Michael O'Hara 54 says in the Seahawks defense being all over the jet sweep outside running plays. Bradley McDougal making big hit after big hit. And Michael's on top of Bradley McDougal. He had a great game. And yeah, Jadevian Clowney blowing up that jet sweep was a thing of beauty. Oh, that was that was a that was an in that did not make uh, the final three It was on the good side of the ledger. So it's kind of like the on deck circle, if you will. And uh, I love that one. I mean, we've been we've been burnt by jet sweeps all year long, and maybe the Eagles just don't have the kind of the, the same type of talent, or maybe we just got wise. Either way, it's an in, and I love it. You know, why don't we stick on Clowney for a second? I got I got my man Heath Mauger. I think I'm saying that right, but at Heath M A U G E R out on Twitter, 
think it's the first week I've seen Heath out there too. Brandon, you might know him already, uh, but either way, he's kind of come into the three and three out circle. So I love that. It's a big shout out. He just says, huge in for Clowney, playing her and absolutely Catfish. mixing the Eagles. You know, again, you dry hump, you Catfish. hit mix, you get on the show. Schmick at Mickey Swank on Twitter gives an end to the return of Russ's legs. I feel like he hasn't had a play like that. Talking about the juke on third and 12 in over a year. Love it. Love, love what Mickey brings to the table. He's, he's been a great contributor this year. So great job there. And speaking of contributors, we got Mr. Jake Burdeen. He contributed to the Hawker branded because my man went into the belly of the beast. He went into Thunderdome. He went to not the clink, but the link. And he came out with the victory. He was there live at the game. So he's got a couple of quick ins like in. He calls out fans, you know, and we didn't talk about Fant or Jamarco Jones. Hey, from a pass pro perspective, that left-hand side, I felt, held up better than the right-hand side. So he's giving some love to Fant, which is a good thing. He also did have a couple of outs in his perspective. We got to read this because he was there. He goes out, Philly fans. At one point in the first quarter, after Wilson ran one, people were screaming, snap his effing neck. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so... Uh, you know, like that's, that's so you can't feel too sorry for Philly fans, I guess, who are upset about their own quarterback getting injured. Yeah, you know, like a clowny, clowny, uh, you know, lands on a dude's head in the middle of a tackle, and yet from the grandstands, you're yelling to snap a dude's neck. So, hey, listen, I'm from the Northeast. I'm passionate about these things. I've been to like Islander Ranger games where there's been lots of barbs uh, thrown at each other verbally and physically. So I kind of get it, and yet they still got to wear that out. So good job, Jake. Way to go in there and represent for all the twelves. DCH, Doug Chancel Harry coming in with the biggest in of the day, he says. And this isn't for something that was on the field with DK Metcalf. Metcalf in his post-game interview, dropping multiple yes ma'ams on Michelle Tafoya <laughs> in the post-game interview. As DCH says, I love DK. And yeah, you just get that sense of humility. And that was something that I had no idea would have come from a guy who was being talked about as being, you know, a potential top 10, top 15 type pick. You just look at his physique and you, it just doesn't scream humility at you. But uh, just to hear the guy talk, you know, he is. It's, it's the mixture. He's got, he's got the baby pacifier. He's throwing up the deuces. Yes, ma'am. Love it, DCH. Great, uh, great job calling that one out. How about an in for at Mark Misselbrook? And this is a, an interesting way to approach this one because he's given the in to Jermaine Effetti. But, uh, you know, not for, you know, any kind of great play. It's just that he made his normal one penalty for a false start for five yards instead of his penalty for 10 yards for a holding. So that's really a net gain of five yards. So thanks to Mark for pointing that out. That's like when my wife comes home with something and says how cheap she got it for. Like, oh, this was on sale for only $29.99. Like, I say, it's like, wow, look at our account. We <laughs> saved so much money. But I, I do, I, I get, I get the vibe. I get the feeling. And, and I love, I love the uh, the new math. Let's call it let's call it what it is. New it's math like when you go to Kohl's and you look at the receipt after you're done and you're like, wow, I saved more money than I spent. I'm a I'm a I'm a coal millionaire. Look at this. <laughs> it's it's quite amazing. So, you know, so great, great job with a, with a little bit of that uh that 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 twist, that twist of the human language, which is really funny. Speaking of a great twist, we've got Agent of Bolas, Christopher out on Twitter. Uh Brandon, I know you talked about this one with with Adam earlier this week drove us all bananas and almost cost us an interception. He goes out to the refs for missing yet another penalty on a key down. He's, of course, talking about the one where the dude was clearly offsides. It should have been clearly a free play. Russ even saw it that way, or he knew it was that. Threw the ball up, but that was kind of reminiscent of that uh, that Jermaine uh, curse. 
fourth down play where we got the free play and he gets the touchdown already against the Niners back in uh back in 2013. Very reminiscent of that, except for the fact that A, uh, the refs missed it. B, it was almost intercepted. But but Rolf does a great job calling that out and saying, come on, again, the refs making a big, big mistake in what could have been a key moment. Thankfully, they dropped the INT. Yeah, I think I will take uh, that missed call on that play versus, you know, no penalty called on uh, Clowney's hit. So uh, let's fair. call it a wash, Philly fans. <laughs> I feel good about that because you know why? Because we're going to Lambo. Yes, going to Lambo. Yes, I got to love that. Oh, speaking of one, we, we already talked about Schmick, but I like this one again. This was an in. He goes, the return of Russ's legs. He's, and he says, I feel like I haven't seen a play like that, the juke on third and 12 in over a year. And he's right. Was it third and 12? Maybe it was third and 15. Whatever, whatever it was, that third down run where Russ is just like, nope, I got this. I'm going to do it myself. It was reminiscent, not quite as fast as he used to be with the, the fast twitch muscle when he like okie doked a bunch of uh, Arizona Cardinals like, you know, five, six years ago at this point. He's just a little bit thicker of a dude. So he's not quite as fast or as fast twitch. He's still Russ. He's still, when he needed it, he's like, I'm going to take off. I'm going to run. There's no way I'm not getting this first down. So Schmick, another good one from you on that one. Love the okie doke by Russ. All right. I got to jump over to David Blevins, who is in our Seahawkers podcast, Ring of Honor. And he doesn't have an out for a particular player. He's calling out Dave Bloomquist, Hong Kong Hawk, at dbloomy on Twitter. You know, if you see one of Hong Kong Hawk's tweets out there and you think it's pretty funny, well, now you know where he gets his material. It's from the <laughs> Ring of Honor. He's stealing jokes. David Blevins says, out for Dave Bloomquist consistently stealing my jokes and taking to Twitter with them. And I love Bloomy's response right back in the Ring of Honor and goes, hey, you know, you don't reach enough people for your excellent jokes. And then he actually takes a little screenshot of the metrics of how many times, uh, how many times David, David Blevins is joke got retweeted and like so a little fun tit for tat there between some lovable members of the flock yeah and if you want to join us there get in the flock.com and be part of our conversations there every week and even on game day yeah they are fantastic on game day you guys open up the slack channels those are tons of fun uh you know the facebook ring of honor is just full of really passionate great hawk fans and here's one right here jonathan stein says in pete carroll for not being the flavor of the month and I had to go back to him and say, hey, Jonathan, help me understand that. I, I want to understand that a bit better. What do you mean specifically? And he wrote back and he's like, he's like, oh, what I mean by that is like, it's not McVeigh. It's not just, you know, it's not just a one year wonder. Like this has been Pete Carroll for a decade now that he has a way, they buy in, they win games, they win playoff games, we go to the playoffs. And he's just excited that after all this time, Pete's still winning the way Pete wants to win. So good job by Jonathan on that. Well, I'm going to bounce over to Kevin Dietrich who comes in with one of the ends we mentioned earlier about the left side of the line and the out being the right side of the line, communication being a serious problem, and the Eagles took advantage. Yeah, you, don't, you go into that game not expecting uh, the right side of the line to be giving you problems, especially with Fluker and Effetti being the, the most tenured, well-tenured guys on that offensive line going into this game, but it did seem like we had problems there. And really, it, it spread out on both sides of the line. It's just you, you give a little bit of grace to Jamarco Jones and George Fant filling in uh, and being the backups. And for me too, it's like the, the pat it's like pass pro versus run, you know, run blocking. Yeah. And I think the question is, Hey, Upati might come back this week. No doubt in my mind, we're a better run team with Upati and the dude, the dude's a monster. He's a veteran. He knows what to do on the, on the run blocking. I, I don't have a doubt over him on Jamarco Jones. And with that, I would say 
are we actually better with Pass Pro with Jamarco Jones instead of Upati? I'll, I'll offer that one up to the, the flock. And Brandon, if you have an opinion on that, love to hear it. I mean, Jamarco Jones, in terms of pass blocking, he might be better at either guard, guard spot, whether it's a Fetty or Upati. And it will be super interesting to see how the rest of this year plays out. What permutations are out there? Dwayne Brown might be coming back rather soon. Fantas played rather well. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But, it, but that's kind of like in pitching. If you have too much pitching in baseball, usually a good thing. Usually teams like that can win and figure those things out. So we'll see how it shakes. All right. If we didn't get to everybody's, we apologize. You guys, we had a lot of these ins and outs, as you could tell by the segment here. We love it. Keep them coming. We do have one more. Want to? Clo- we didn't. I don't think we mentioned this guy's name once yet, Brandon. But we gotta mention his name. So Garen Taylor. So Garen Taylor, and that's not the name we gotta mention. He says Lynch catching the ball out of the backfield and not being denied a touchdown. Of course, those are different plays. The third and one where he just goes for eighteen and throws a dude, and then of course getting in the end zone. Brandon, I can't think of a better way to end this three and three out than by going all beast mode. I grabbed my Skittles. I ripped them open. I shared them with the kids. I was off the couch. I was flexing. I loved it all. That's a nice end to finish it on. What do you say? I love it. And it's another opportunity for more Marshawn Lynch coming up now against the Green Bay Packers. You go from playing one of the top defenses against the run to playing one of the worst defenses in the playoffs against the run. And Marshawn Lynch seeming like he's just starting to get his legs underneath him and and feel comfortable in the offense just in time for a divisional round matchup with the Packers. Uh, I'm fired up for it. I think, Brandon, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.